Hello everyone, this is episode 764 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, October, what the hell was wrong with me, March 19th, 2021. I am your host, Marcus Nez, and today I'll be talking about Adios. That's not me saying Adios, that's me saying that the game I'll be talking about is called Adios. And not Adios Amigos, which is what often comes up if you search for Adios Game Xbox or whatever the other platform is though now with the game coming out or officially out it does show up so that's good but enough about adios for now i'm not saying adios for good this is a tired joke but i'm also be <laughs> talking about beach buggy racing 2 colon island adventure space otter charlie pink man plus and signs of the sojourner and i wrote down adios twice which is a is a a sign of things to come. I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I, I didn't even mean to say sign after the other game that's called Signs of the Sojourner. But before I get to what I've been playing, which I'll get to very quickly, I haven't released a Sausage Dump episode on Patreon yet. We'll probably do that when I'm feeling a little more free. But I think I might vomit out a little attack the backlog behind the scenes thing for Sunday on the off week this weekend, or I will do a little, it's not a watch along, but take my short gameplay clip of me playing Super Mario 64 and just put some commentary over it and then dump that. How I do that, I, I guess I just would upload it to YouTube and make it private and then put it on the Patreon. I think that's how they do it. Because there's no way Patreon is hosting videos or audio. I was wondering how they would do exclusive RSS feeds for podcasts. And my assumption is you create the RSS feed, you create the feed yourself, that is, and then you give that feed to Patreon and then they create their own Patreon-specific feed for it. They're not going to be hosting any of your stuff, but they will create a specific feed that is only attainable through there, I'm guessing. But I, I also do not know how that works. Because I'm just, I've always been curious how you get something that is exclusive and then say a feed, for instance. And then if you cancel your Patreon, how do they remove that feed from your collection of feeds? Anywho, let's get to what I've been playing already with Adios. So Adios is a very interesting game. And it's one that is quite the conundrum because there are aspects of it I love and then aspects I'm not that hot on. However, all the good parts of Adios make up for the deficiencies in other sides of the experience. If you don't know what Adios is, it's a very simple and short experience. Think of it like a movie, an interactive movie, and it is roughly that length, an hour and a half, maybe a bit shorter, where you play as the farmer and you work with the mom to dispose of bodies. If you've seen Snatch, you know that pigs, they'll eat anything. They'll eat anything. And you have pigs on your farm, and you also have goats and a horse, and whatnot. 
But you are, now that you are alone in life, your partner, your significant other has passed away and it's just you by yourself on this farm. You want to get out of the business. And it goes through this whole process and talking to one of your colleagues, employers, whatever. And I I don't want to get too into the story because that is very much so the sole reason to play the game. That is what the game is. But why it works so well is that the writing and the voice acting are both fantastic, especially the voice acting. I can't stress that enough. I think Adios is the perfect example of how important good voice acting is and how much it can make up for other aspects of a game that could be weak. Because the the real issue with Adios is that the actual gameplay bits are very minimal. You're basically moving from scene to scene. It's a scene-based game. You will walk from scene to scene at times or just be transition to another scene. And within these scenes, you will be able to interact with the environment in minimal ways, depending on uh, where you are. And what you're able to do in these small isolated spaces is limited to playing horseshoes or milking a goat or feeding an apple to a horse and so on. You'll be fixing up a car and talking with this person. And all of these interactions aren't particularly engaging. But what keeps you engaged is the story and the voice acting. And the reason why I say the voice acting is so crucial to this game and the experience is because if everything was the same and you just had, instead of voice acting, a bunch of text that you had to read, it would be a significantly lesser experience. And I would have bounced before it ended because I would have felt this strong disconnect between the story and what I was doing and just me and the game. I would feel a disconnect between myself and the game. I wouldn't be engrossed in it the the way I am by hearing these fantastic voice actors perform these lines and, and how their inflection changes with each sentence. And it's just very well done in that sense. But the game itself is, like I said, minimal in terms of what you're able to do and then visually it's a bit of a stinker it's a it's inconsistent i think the environments overall look pretty good but the characters are a bit of a mixed bag it's this not realistic look but not quite stylized enough so they kind of just look a little bit uh, maybe a lot of bit cartoony but they're okay however the animals can look really bad especially the horse when the horse comes up to you and you could pick up an apple to feed it man is that one ugly ass horse and there is a bit of humor there not intentional humor where the character you're playing as the farmer is talking about how beautiful and graceful horses are and then you're looking at this really simple kind of derpy horse come up to you with these big blank eyes and it's hard not to look at that horse and just think of how freaking ugly it is it is super ugly but like i said the story and the voice acting make up for any weak aspect of the game because they're just that good adios is a game you play for the story and that's it if if you want a well-told short simple story it's very much a worth experiencing. It's 
hard to say you're really playing it because it's not even like walking simulators where you're moving around a lot. You're you're really just isolated to these specific scenes. And, and like I said, you will interact with specific objects, but at times you'll just find a chair and sit down and listen to these two people talk. You'll occasionally be able to pick dialogue options, though in some cases you'll have multiple dialogue choices, but two will be grayed out and you only can pick the one. And even if you try to pick the others, your character will just go, hmm, hmm. They won't really say anything. They'll just go, eh, which I think is a nice touch to still have those options. And it makes me curious about whether or not those options would be available in a replay, which wouldn't be much to ask given how short the game is itself. But I think it is a very well-told, well-acted story that if you find that side of it fascinating, if that story about a person who's working with the mob to dispose of bodies and learning about why they want to leave, their history, how they got into that role, that position, that job, and all that. I can't recommend Adios highly enough. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about the story and give away too many details about it because that is 100% the game. Nothing else really matters. The horseshoe game sucks. I hate it, but yeah, uh, that is Adios. I played it on Xbox One, got a code for it, and I'm not sure about platforms. I think it might be on PC and Switch, but not PS4, but I'm not entirely sure, and I believe it is $18. So that might be a lot to ask for you, depending on how you feel about paying almost $20 for a game that is a very short experience that is the length of a movie or less and and it's really about how much you value story over gameplay if gameplay is what's most important for you adios is not the game for you but if you like going into games for story and character and all that adios is probably not that i've played a whole bunch this year it's probably the best i've played in that sense in 2021 and it is, at least right now, on my short list for my top 10 games of the year. But I could easily see that dropping off because as much as I do enjoy a good story, I like me some gameplay as well. So it, it has a tough battle, but right now it's one of the better games I've played this year. And I think that is in part because I find it often hard to get sucked into a video game story, but I was really drawn into adios and i just kept wanting to see where this story was going and i like being around these characters especially the farmer i think his performance in particular is very well done and nuanced and there's a lot of motion put into it and i, I appreciated that then beach buggy racing 2 island adventure is the sequel to beach buggy racing which is at this point i don't know 10 years old i really enjoy that game when I finally got deep into it on the Switch, I ended up completing all the championships and three-starring everything and just played the hell out of it. I ate that game up and it became, oddly enough, my favorite kart racer of all time, which I know is going to sound crazy. You're probably saying to yourself right now, I want to say what the fuck is wrong with you, Mark, but I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and I know that you have hot takes and the worst takes. So you liking this Beach Buggy Racing game over Mario Kart or even the Sonic Racing Transforms games or Crash Team Racing is 
crazy. But you know what? I haven't played Crash Team Racing yet, so maybe that'll be my favorite if I ever get around to it. I wonder if that would make a good attack the backlog game, a kart racer. I guess you could. I mean, like there's there's no rules for attack the backlog. But whatever. I'll get to that later. I, I want to play the Crash Bandicoot proper games before I jump into the racing games for Attack the Backlog. Anywho, Beach Buggy Racing 2 is a sequel. And the first thing I noticed when I booted up the game was that it looks a lot like the first game. I would say it's sharper and crisper and has better lighting and that's it's like it it isn't a significant jump over the first as far as what i'm remembering i'm assuming the polygon count and all that is improved the original game i think was mobile first and felt somewhat like a mobile game on consoles whereas this does at least feel like a console game so there's that it feels great. I think it controls incredibly well, better than the first even. And well, I really wanted to say even Stevens right there, even though I've never watched. That was a show, right? Or was that that character? And that was Shia LaBeouf, right? Or LaBeouf? I don't know how you say his name, but I like the LaBeouf, even in Crystal Skull. I like Crystal Skull. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I like Crystal Skull. I think it is a good Uncharted movie. Is it a good Indiana Jones movie? I don't think so. But if you just go into it with the mindset that it is dumb nonsense, like an Uncharted game, you should have a good time with it. And I was able to do that because I'm not super precious about Indiana Jones. But going back to Beach Buggy Racing 2, it feels very much like a minor iteration on the first game in many ways. All the tracks, I believe, from the original are here and adjusted in various ways. The most noticeable adjustment for me is in this stage where you go through this like underwater tunnel. And when you turn the corner in the original game, there was this chunk of the pavement on the ground removed. So you would fall into this like long divot or whatever. And I always thought that was a weird design choice. I didn't like it. And in Beach Buggy Racing 2, they've removed that. So now it's smooth all the way through. I think that the shortcuts are easier to get to. And, and that's in large part because the controls are a bit tighter. So it's easier to navigate around tight corners without falling off a ledge or stuff like that. The, the new courses are pretty good. And probably the biggest change to the game is a proper adventure story mode. So in the first game, you had basically just a bunch of different races that were tied to various championships against specific racers. And they would be in their various classes. So 50cc, 250cc, 500, 1000, etc. And that was fine. You also were able to upgrade your vehicles by collecting coins by winning races and you could grind that out if you wanted to which i kind of liked especially over the way it's done in beach buggy racing 2 but in beach buggy racing 2 the way it works is instead of having these championships you do have your generic championships in their own mode so there'll be four races per championship and then you have an eight race championship a 
12 race one, I think, and then one that has all the courses, which I have yet to try. But the way the adventure story mode works is that it's structured very much so like a Mario game where you have this overworld map with various points. And as you complete a race, you'll unlock different paths. So if there's a branchy path at a point, you can go in one of two directions to go in another race, etc. And you need to collect stars within that specific overworld to unlock the next overworld. And the way you improve your vehicles is not through collecting resources or coins or whatever to purchase upgrades. It's by unlocking spaces in the overworld. So completing a race and then you'll see this little like monkey with a, a little hat on. I don't know what kind of hat it is. Uh, a mechanics hat. And you go there and then you'll be given three options of how you can improve your vehicle. And I believe those stats apply to any vehicle you pick. Those are just your overall buffs to the specific stats of speed, acceleration, handle, and I don't know if it's brakes or durability. I think it is not brakes, but durability. And I don't know if I like that so much because I, I like the grinding, but I think it's probably more, I don't know if it's even more accessible. It's just... It's a choice. But I like the way the adventure mode is structured. You will, while going through these overworlds, you will come across new drivers who you face off in a four-race championship. If you beat them, you'll unlock them and be able to use them in the adventure mode. You also unlock new power-ups in that mode by doing the same thing you do with the improvement monkeys, whatever you want to call them, which is nice as well. But the problem I have with the game is when I went out and played the championship modes, it became a cheap nightmare that I don't remember the first game ever being. The amount of power-up usage in the championships is insane. And I felt like I was getting screwed over so often that it became frustrating and I rage quitted the game. I can't remember the last time I've rage quitted the game. And it was a huge bummer because I... Loved the first game, and I was really enjoying this game. But then I started to get really pissed off with it, and I quit the game, deleted it, and then started it up again. I downloaded it again to give it a second chance, was getting into somewhat of a groove, and then got pissed off again. And eventually, after, I don't know, six hours with it or so, I deleted it, didn't finish the adventure mode, and I've had my fill of it. I played through all the main championships. There are mystery ones, I think. And like I said, that really long one. But I completed all the main championships. And it just is... It feels cheap. Whether or not it's any more or less cheap than the first game, I don't know. It's been a while since I've played that. And maybe I have a foggy memory of it. But I don't remember it ever feeling as cheap as Beach Buggy Racing 2 does in those modes specifically. In the adventure mode, it's not as bad because you're unlocking power-ups gradually and it seems like the other drivers either don't have their driver-specific power-ups or it's very limited because in the championship mode, everyone has two uses of their driver-specific power-ups. And some of the new drivers and their power-ups are fucking insane. And they are way OP, and I don't like them. And some of the new power-ups in general seem OP and broken. There's this one that's like Tunnel Vision that puts you into like a Looney Tunes type of 
little hole so you can only see this very small circle of the screen. But what I don't understand about that is you are being limited by what you can see in the environment, but it also seems to be slowing down your vehicle to a crawl. And I don't understand why it's doing both of those things at the same time. It seems like one disadvantage is more than enough with that power up. And it's just, it feels imbalanced. And I don't know if it will be updated in any way, but as it stands, I would just recommend playing the first game. And just sticking with that. I, I don't like saying that. It's a real big bummer. As far as I'm concerned, this is Beach Bummer Racing 2 Island Adventure. Sad face, sad face, tear emoji. <sighs> then there is Space Otter Charlie, which you play as an otter, as you might expect from the title, named Charlie. You're not named Charlie, actually. You're Space Otter who was living on Earth after the humans all left because global warming or whatever. They went into space. And then there were some smart otters who were like, we need to get into space too. And the first shuttle they tried to send into space explodes or whatever, but nobody died from it. Everyone was fine. And then the second one explodes during the launch, I believe. But everyone landed safely back on Earth. And then you were part of Charlie, the third attempt at going into space. And you are successful. But enough about the story. Who cares about the story? The way the game works is that you traverse these spaces like space stations and the like in zero G. And because it's in zero G, it's not a traditional platformer. You are propelling yourself from point to point. So you'll point the analog stick in a direction and then you will push yourself off of whatever surface you're on and land in the space where you are aiming. You can hold down the button for that which i think is x and then you will be able to use your jetpack for a limited amount of time to maneuver more freely but you don't have much time to use that it's maybe three or so seconds and it does refuel fairly quickly but that is the basic gist of your movement capabilities you will gain a gun that you can use to shoot objects and destroy them to clear paths or shoot buttons and stuff like that and it's Okay, I guess, but I wasn't really feeling the platforming or whatever you want to call it. Moving from place to place in that sense wasn't fun to do. And I think I think the, the real issue with it is that in my experience with the game so far, I haven't found the level design to be creative enough and to make use of this distinct and unique play style to make me want to stick with it. Because I, I look at it and I'm like, I would just rather play a traditional platformer. You're not doing anything interesting to make me want to play in this different way. So I think that is ultimately the biggest fault. The boss fights are a little bit more interesting in how you deal with those, given that everything's in zero G. But those are such a small part of the experience. And I wish the levels themselves were more creatively designed in ways that made me want to explore them as opposed to just going through them by the numbers. But yeah, that is Space Outer Charlie. Then there is Pink Man Plus, which is 100% a ripoff. I just realized with that plus, I'm not sure if there was a Pink Man and this is Pink Man Plus or not, but it is 
very much so a ripoff of N++ and the N series in general, which you probably know is one of my all-time favorite platformers. I adore that series. It was some of the first video content I ever did, the N++ Sausage Machinima series, which is real garbage, but I enjoyed making it. And I love that game so much. It has the only floaty jump that I think I love. I love the jump in N++ and just the N series in general so much. And Pico N+, it does a decent job trying to be N++. However, it's not N++. It has the same visual aesthetic, and when you die, it'll change the color scheme. It's very simplistic with its color tones and what you're seeing on screen. The jump is floaty, but not satisfying in the way the N games are. And it's impossible not to look at it and ask yourself, why are you just not playing the end games? There's so much more content in them. They have the level creator, so you have an endless supply of user creator levels, not to mention there are already just so many that came with the game itself. Pikmin Plus is fine. It is a fine game, but it is so fucking N++. The whole time I was playing it, I just wanted to go back and play some more N++. So there's that. It's cheaper, yes, but not by much. I think N++ is $15 and Pinkman Plus is $5. It's from Rodlocker Games. If you want some easy achievements, go at it. It's not a super difficult game, but it just doesn't live up to the, the game it is wanting to be. And that's often the case. It's rare that a game can be as good as what it's trying to be or even exceed it at times. And in this case, Pinkman Plus does not do that. Signs of the Sojourner is kind of similar in Adios and how it is very story-driven. However, the way it works is that you are a kid or whatever in the beginning. It's another short experience, but one, it doesn't have voice acting. So you're reading everything, and the crux of the gameplay, the way dialogue works and plays out is through a card game kind of a matching card game i say kind of because it doesn't feel like you have much agency or control over how things play out or that it's just very superficial in that you will see a bit of dialogue and then you'll have this card matching game in between bits of dialogue how it works is that you have a card with two symbols on both sides and you want to match the symbol of the most recently played card the the one that's on the right side of that card with the same symbol on the left side of the card you place down and then so on and so forth they have cards that you can insert in between cards and ones that are basically like jokers and take the icon of whatever the most recently played card is and the way it works is that you have to place i think four cards in a row without a flub without mismatching icons in order to get a good bit of dialogue for the dialogue to go in a good direction and if you don't do that you'll get a black mark or whatever you have like three white or black marks for every dialogue option and they get removed as you either successfully or unsuccessfully perform the matching game and then you just watch the story play out you read what happens next and i found there to be an incredible disconnect between the story and the 
minimal gameplay of Signs of the Sojourner. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel like I have much control over the dialogue with this card game. It, it's so basic. And the story itself, maybe in part because I was so taken aback by how basic the gameplay and the card game was, I failed to get engaged with the story and the characters. I, I really didn't care about them or any of their stuff. Because every time I would initiate dialogue and go through the card game, I kept thinking, what is this? I don't even spend any time thinking about how I'm going to play the cards. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to play this one, and then this one, and this one. And things play out so seamlessly, and like a factory line or whatever, that it's just, it ultimately felt like I had no reason to be doing anything, that I might as well have just been reading this whole thing, that it should have just been a visual novel, and this attempt at making it interactive with the card game failed, and that was disappointing, because I was excited, I thought conceptually it sounded very cool and unique and different, but in practice it does not come together at all, which is a bummer. But that is it for what I've been playing. So that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Mark Kuznez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baka, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sauces and check out some of my videos over there. And if you haven't already, it would be so lovely if you subscribed and liked some videos and all that kind of jazz. It would be very appreciated if you did that. And if you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go back to the site, pixelatedsausages.com, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Ah.